This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear reports from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. Well, with the North Dakota legislature now in its second half of the session, NDSU agriculture funding will get a hearing today in the Senate. NDSU Vice President of Agricultural Affairs, Greg Lardy, has details on this bill. The uh, bill that funds uh, NDSU Extension, the Ag Experiment Station, Northern Crops Institute, and Upper Great Plains Transportation Institute, which is House Bill 1020, uh, passed the House last week on a vote of 87 to 7. Um, the bill contains a number of items that were uh, on the SBEAR priority list, and so we're uh, excited about uh, you know moving over to the Senate and having a chance to have a conversation with Senate appropriations and, and the work that they're going to do over there. That bill includes updates to the compensation plan for NDSU researchers. Red River Farm Network asked Lardy if NDSU has been able to compete in the job market for those positions. It's very uh, position specific. We've got some positions that uh, I would say we've had pretty, we've, we've had very good luck filling, uh, had fired some outstanding people, uh, and we've had other positions that we've had to advertise uh, several times to get uh, applicants. And so it, it varies uh, a great deal across the system um, in terms of, of uh, our ability to compete. But in, in general, over the last six months, I would say it, it seems to us that the labor market has improved and we've, we've been able to be more competitive. North Dakota joining 23 other states challenging the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers revised definition of the Waters of the United States rule, or WOTUS. Uh, North Dakota Agriculture Commissioner Doug Goring says the revised rule is a blatant overreach of authority that significantly and unlawfully expands federal control over state and local wa land and water resources. North Dakota's Attorney General Drew Wrigley filed the lawsuit in U.S. District Court in North Dakota challenging the new definition of WOTUS. The Minnesota Senate Ag Committee heard a bill that would create a grain indemnity fund in the state. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. A bill introduced by Senator Rob Kupek garnered support from ag organizations, farmers, and the Minnesota Department of Ag. Minnesota Grain and Feed Association Executive Director Laura Lemke spoke in opposition of the bill, saying there are new programs already in place that haven't had a chance to prove effective. MGFA feels very strongly about retaining the grain bond program for grain briars and warehouses in Minnesota. We feel the independent third-party evaluation of a facility's financials helps retain the integrity of the entire industry. MGFA supports a reasonable increase to grain bond levels. In lieu of an indemnity fund, producers can currently purchase deferred payment insurance for their credit contracts at the cost of about 1% of the value of their contracts. The insurance would pay out 100% of the contracted amount and much quicker than either an indemnity fund or a grain bond. This insurance is purchased by the individual producer and does not require the subsidization by all grain sellers like an indemnity fund will. Lemke says the indemnity fund will not fix the root of the problem for producers and will eventually cost grain sellers. MGFA is very sympathetic to producers who have experienced a loss due to grain buyer insolvencies. However, we disagree that the only way to protect producers is through the creation of an indemnity fund. Instead, we feel that through modifications to the current statutes, 
a reasonable increase in grain bonds, and producer education, producers can be protected by preventing or at least minimizing the occurrence of future insolvencies. Senate File 2218 does nothing to address those issues. It simply creates a huge revolving account that eventually all grain sellers will be responsible for funding. Senate File 2218 has been held over for a vote until Monday. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. The uh, Agriculture Department is preparing to distribute $2.2 billion to farmers who face discrimination from USDA uh, farm lending programs. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack said he hopes people see this as an indication of USDA's sincere effort. To acknowledge the past, but to help folks uh, deal with the consequences of that past in terms of financial assistance. USDA plans to have that money paid out by the end of the year. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday farm news on the Red River Farm Network. Well, calving season is here and producers need to be prepared. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has that story. NDSU Extension Livestock Stewardship Specialist Gerald Stucka says windbreak and adequate bedding is the best defense against cold weather during calving season. If that calf has not nursed, the mouth is cold, and it's not laying in a comfortable situation, you've got two choices, maybe three, but two choices for sure. Either you bring something out for that calf to nurse, or you get that cow and calf into a place where you can help that calf nurse. And if it still won't nurse, then you'll have to feed the calf yourself. And we also talked in this context, if a calf's really cold, it's probably best not to give that calf something to eat right away, but to actually warm up its body temperature so that you're not trying to warm up inside of the animal with a warm feed. You're better off bringing that animal up to a little bit more normal temperature and then providing something for that animal. And vitamin A deficiency has been a concern in the past, but Stucca doesn't see that being a major problem this year. Vitamin A is one of those really, really important vitamins that we talk about skin integrity, integrity of the, the linings of, of an animal, whether inside or outside, and how important vitamin A is. And vitamin A doesn't last forever. So we got into a discussion of in your forage, in your really green, newly harvested forages, there's adequate vitamin A. But over time, uh, let's say a year later, you haven't used up that green forage, there's going to be considerably less vitamin A. Is it half the amount? Is it all gone? It's probably not all gone, wrapped in a bale, but it's maybe half. And the same thing can happen in our mineral packages. Reporting Agriculture's Business. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. University of Minnesota Extension soybean agronomist Seth Nave spent the better part of February in Southeast Asia working on soybean trade. Nave says progress is being made, but it comes at a slow pace. For sure, we're making progress. It's a really slow thing. I mean, we're basically trying to change the language around soybean composition and soybean quality. It's, you know, these People have been thinking about protein as the driver for, you know, 100 years. Fairly easy to measure. It's easy to trade on. So we're trying to upend this quite a bit. Um, the good thing is that the, the, all these companies are looking for higher levels of sophistication. They want to improve their near feed conversion rates. They want to decrease their cost. Um, they're interested in doing more measurement, and that really works with us. And Nave says the other message to Asian meal buyers is all of the new soybean processing plants coming online in the Northern Plains. 
the idea is that there will be more meal available and there will be more meal available from the Pacific Northwest. And so we're really trying to encourage these companies that maybe hadn't been buying a lot of meal from the U.S. to be open to it and be looking for those um, those traders when they come forward with uh, with some offers if they do have if they do have some bids for some U.S. meal that they should at least get on this and get uh, see if they can get a hold or a, a few containers and, and give it a try. Dozen farmers and producers traveled to Monterey, Mexico for a trade trip with United States Meat Export Federation. South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council Director Todd Hanton was on that trip and says meat and grain exports to Mexico slowed during COVID. Well, Mexico is our uh, number one customer for pork exports and our number three customer for beef exports. But the USMEAF staff and others as far as other commodity organizations think that they can even be a bigger, better customer. They do prefer and pay a premium for our products. They seek them out and and want to know more about how they're raised. Sustainability is actually getting to be something in Mexico as something they are looking at. But even more than that, it's the reliability, the consistency, and the safety of the food from the United States that really drives the market. And variety meat demand in Mexico is high. Well, they are a very good user of variety meats in in all of our red meat categories. We were able to, something that's just becoming kind of a hot item in Mexico is the jowls and the cheekbones that are, um, there's a lot of those going to uh, Mexico being exported to Mexico, and they import them and then further process them into small cubes and some deep fat fried products that they sell. And so it was a chance for us to go there and see firsthand what some of our checkoff dollars from South Dakota soybean are doing. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Northern Crops Institute hosted a webinar on geopolitics and navigating uncertainty in 2023. Cognitive Investments Director of Geopolitical Analysis Jacob Shapiro says there is still great uncertainty for the Black Sea Grain Initiative. I have no special insight about what's going to happen with the grain deal, and I doubt anybody does unless they're having breakfast with Vladimir Putin. Um, what we can see, though, is that crop tonnage that has been making it out of the Black Sea via the Grain Initiative, it has been declining, and the number of ships have also been declining as well. Now, the last time that Russia tried to mess around with the grain deal was October, and they got summarily slapped in the face, not just by the West, but by the rest of the world. And that matters because Russia, as it eschews engagement with the West, it really is betting on the global South as its main sort of source of economic growth going forward. Shapiro says while Ukraine pushes for a 12-month agreement, Russia continues to push back on even extending another 120 days. However, Russia's failure to agree may impact the standing with the rest of the world. When you go against the grain initiative, you're not just hurting the West, you're not just hurting Ukraine, you're also hurting your standing when it comes to that level. So there's a key constraint here on Russia's ability to play around with the grain deal. That said, if you listen to everything coming out of the Russian government, they are not happy with the grain initiative. They are telegraphing that if they don't get certain concessions on fertilizer or on Russian agricultural exports and things like that, it might not just be a slam dunk on extending the deal for 120 days. 
Checking markets before we leave you this morning. We're firmer across the board here uh, with uh, May wheat in Minneapolis up three and a half. Chicago May wheat is seven and a quarter higher, and Kansas City's up four and a quarter. May corn five and a quarter higher at 641. December corn's up two. May soybeans are two and a quarter higher at 1496 and a half. New crop November now unchanged at 1359. Uh, May canola in Winnipeg is down 90 cents a metric ton, 81770 Canadian. On the farm calendar, Lando Lakes annual meeting continues through today in San Antonio, Texas. The National Potatoes Washington Summit continues through tomorrow. The National Ethanol, uh, that's in Washington, D.C. The National Ethanol Conference continues through today in Orlando, Florida. The American Soybean Association's board meeting in Arlington, Virginia continues through today. Coming up on March the 5th, uh, National Farmers Union's annual convention. That'll be in San Francisco. And uh, coming up on uh, the uh, 7th uh, through the 11th, March 7th through the 11th, National Association of Wheat Growers uh, annual meeting. That'll be during Commodity Classic uh, with in Orlando, Florida. Commodity Classic gets underway on March the 9th. We'll be listening for reports from that as well. Also coming up here as we work our way into March, the National Grain and Feed Association's annual convention. Uh, that gets underway March 21st. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.